You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. I felt this morning also that the Lord was aligning. Um, you know, in Ephesians 4, it talks about the fivefold ministry gifts, and it talks about equipping. Um, that word, my husband can tell you the Greek for you, but I'm not, that's not me. <laughs> but it means to align, like you're setting a bone in place so that it heals correctly. It's restoring. And I feel that for you guys as well. And I believe that he's already been doing that. The, the whole kingship thing was like, man, we just stepped into something when we came here. And we're just adding to what he's already been doing. So I feel the alignment, the kingdom alignment is happening here among you. I just want to affirm that. Um, I also felt that the eyes of people's hearts were being opened today to the hope of their calling. It was, it was just really beautiful um, when we hear with our hearts, right, what the Lord is doing and, and what we're a part of. It's like, oh, this is huge. This is so much bigger than I thought. You know, it's bigger than my, my American dream or my, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. It's, it's eternal. And when the Lord shows us that, it's, it's powerful. It's life-changing. And I feel like every time I hear his word and it preached and taught, it's like there's more and more revelation and our eyes see better, the eyes of our hearts. Um, and just real quickly, God needs to use all the gifts in this home, in this house, in this spiritual house. I know we come from a generation where there are an, you know, a few gifts that are recognized from the front, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other gifts in the body. So you're not off the hook because you're sitting over there or back there, okay? If God's house is to be built, and Jeff was talking about that this morning as well, we all have to do our part, okay? So I feel like one of the things we should pray for tonight is the activation of gifts and, and learning to recognize them in one another as brothers and sisters in the household of God and pull them out I think when people have seen something in me and spoken, I'm like, oh, really? You see that? And it, it just spoke life into me, right? I think all of us who have stepped into something, there's been someone who's called something out, right? So, um, yeah, let's pray for that tonight. Let's pray for the way God wants to build his house. It's so exciting. It's so awesome. That has nothing to do with what I felt to share tonight. But I did feel, <laughs> this always happens, you know? And then, I, you know, I'm like, okay. Um, so tonight I am uh, going to share something. You know, I think sometimes when you're married to someone who has a strong gifting, it's hard for the other person or the other half to know what their role is supposed to be like. And I'll be honest with you guys, you know, Jeff is very comfortable up here in the front. This is hard for me. And I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm like playing the pity card because I don't want that kind of affirmation. I want my affirmation to come from the Lord and not from man. I want to think of my gift soberly, right? Not too little and not too much. So, but I'm saying this to tell you that, you know, don't look at people up here and think, oh, only they can do this, or God uses only certain kinds of people. You know, I feel like there's, there's some kind of weird deception or lie that kind of the American church has fallen for, that only certain people are used by God on the platform, and um, it's too hard for me. And I, I feel like I've used you know, lies as, as excuses, to be honest with you, to not step into what God's calling me to do and fallen into insecurities. And praise the Lord, he's, he's so stubborn. He, he's, he wants those to come out of us. So he's pursuing me even at my age. And I turned 50 last month, guys. 
Yeah, so I'm telling you, <laughs> he who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion, okay? I, I gave my life to the Lord at five. So it's been, a, I've been with him, walking with him for many, many years. But, you know, don't let him finish the work, you know, glory to glory. And that's kind of a little bit what I want to talk about tonight. It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist or a prophet to discern that the church is in a very urgent moment in history. Um, 2020 was one for the books, as they say, right? And everyone said, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over, but I'm not sure that 2021 has started off much better. Um, we look around and like never before, I don't know, it just all of last year felt surreal, especially when everything was first starting, right? Lord, is this real? And if it wasn't for everyone else who also experienced it, I think we would have been like, that was some weird nightmare, right? But the whole world was going through stuff, okay? And the world responded the way the world did, right? Fear. Um, all kinds of ugly things came out through all kinds of things. And I'm not here to rehash that and bring you all down and we don't, we don't need that, right? But what concerns me is the way the church is responding in the midst of this. Now, the world has an excuse. They, they don't have the living God inside of them, right? But we as the church, we should be different. There should be something that's in us. We should be the city on the hill in the midst of these times. So I feel like last year, man, I don't know about you, but there were things exposed, right, in the church. And when I say church, I'm not pointing my finger at everybody else. I, I saw things in my own heart come out that the Lord was after, you know. I'm part of the church, so I've always got to start here, right? It's easy to point fingers, but let's start, start with our own hearts, Okay. Division, I know a lot of vanity, uh, fear, materialism, control, so much was exposed. And in the midst of these dark times, I feel like there is a growing ache in the Lord's heart for a people who will look like him, a people will, who will carry him, who will bear his image, right? From the beginning of time, that's always been his heart, from creation to Israel to the church, he wanted to relate to a people, so they, the people would be his, the representation of him, who would embody him. Um, Romans 8.28, 20, sorry, 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay? As believers, it is our destiny to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It is our destiny. It is his, in the Father's heart. It's burning in his heart for us. It is our new creation birthright and our privilege and aim to become like Jesus. You see, Jeff mentioned this this morning, but oftentimes we think of salvation as the ticket to heaven, something for the future. But what salvation does is it injects us with supernatural DNA, there's a new life, supernatural life that's being given to us, okay? It opens the door for us to look increasingly like our big brother, Jesus, okay? It looks, it, it's an increasingly, we're to look increasingly like our big brother, Jesus. So according to Romans 8, 29, then the church should be growing a big family, of Jesus' siblings who bear his image. 
okay? And I feel like this is a burden on the Lord's heart, and I want to ask you guys this, because I always want us to look at our own hearts first, but I feel like the Lord is inviting us into a burden that he carries, you know, part of our role, you know, we think of prayer as a time to unload our hearts and to share our burdens with him, and it totally is. It's the best place to pour out our hearts and, and to give him those things. But do you guys know that he also carries burdens? That there are also things on his heart that he wants us to join in with him to carry? That's part of our role, right, in intercession, our priestly role. And to be image bearers, to have a people in this hour, I feel like as one of these burdens that the Lord is inviting us into. And I want to ask you guys, life point, can the world see the Father's family resemblance in your life? Can the world see the Father's resemblance in your life, the Father's family? So what does it mean to become like him? Well, let me tell you what it's not to become like him. It's not necessarily supporting a particular political party, okay? I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) Not going to go anywhere with that. It's not just attending services. It's not just being involved in ministry. Um, These days, people cheer for Jesus like he's some kind of team mascot. You know, Jesus doesn't need fans. He doesn't need our support. He doesn't need our vote. He's already king, right? What he's looking for are people whom he can possess, people whom he can possess, Okay, I feel like in this hour, many people are wearing Jesus. You guys remember those Letterman jackets? I don't know if they do that anymore, but like JV and varsity, you know, if you, had a, you played a sport, you got a big letter. My, I still have my husband's. I didn't know him in high school, but for some reason, we still have his, his varsity, you know, Letterman jacket. Okay, and they have the, position, the patches and, yeah, you know, I did this and this. And many people are wearing Jesus like a Letterman jacket. But fewer and fewer are bearing his resemblance. Jesus is looking for bearers, not wearers. Okay? I know, catchy little phrase, but I want that to stick with you. He's looking for bearers, not wearers. So what does becoming like Jesus then look like? It should look like something tangibly, right? Okay? It should look like someone. It's not abstract, but there should be a consistent increase of maturity. Um, In one word, it should look like shalom. And I'm getting all Hebrew on you for a minute here. But some of you have probably heard this word used as a translation for peace, right? In the New Testament, um, that the word shalom is... Uh, translated as peace, but it's bigger than just peace. It's a Hebrew concept associated with the reign of God's kingdom. You see, the prophesied Messiah, and you can find this in Isaiah, especially Isaiah 9, the prince of peace, the prince of shalom, was to usher in the reign of God's kingdom, bringing shalom in its wake. Okay? So King Jesus makes shalom available to us. What is shalom? Like I said, it's peace, but it's more than that. It's wholeness, completeness, it's soundness, it's health, it's prosperity and safety, it's unity, it's restored relationships. Shalom originates with God. It's not something we attain. It's something that comes with the king's reign 
in someone's life. Okay? So it's the result of God's rule taking over a person's life. Okay, I'm talking about well-being both within and without. Simply put, shalom can be identified as both the inward and outward wholeness and maturity that reveals the reign of King Jesus. This is what it means to be a bearer. Okay? Are we carrying both the inward and outward wholeness, maturity that reveals the reign of King Jesus? So we should be increasingly bearing this image, okay? An inward and outward wholeness. Now, I want us to look at Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. And you're going to be like, Carol, are you sure about this? Yes, it's the story of the ten lepers. <laughs> but the Lord brought me to this passage, and I knew that there was something he was trying to speak to me in it. And um, so, yeah, so this is... a what I feel like he wants to share with us. You know, a lot of times I, I feel like, I've never really studied this passage. I've always thought of it as like, when Jesus does something nice for you, make sure you say thank you. But, I, you know, like a, a lesson in spiritual manners or something. But I think there's more that he has in there for us. So let me read this real quickly, beginning with verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Okay, so a couple things I want to look at in this passage. Um, as most of you know, lepers were people that people didn't want to be around. They were ostracized right? They were actually quarantined, a word that we are very familiar with. There was social distance. And it's funny fact, four cubits is the distance that they had to remain away from people that equals six feet. Yeah, so I'm not making this stuff up, okay? And I didn't pick this story because of that, but it just happened to be, okay? So here we hear them call out to Jesus in a loud voice for a dis from a distance because obviously they had to be socially distant, Okay, and they said, Jesus, Master, okay, which indicates that they had some kind of revelation that Jesus carried power because most people didn't call him Master except for the disciples. So this was unusual. So they were most likely calling out for some kind of miraculous power and not just money, which was often what they asked for, alms. Okay, so they had some kind of revelation that Jesus had authority and miraculous power. Maybe they had been watching him and the disciples from a distance for a while. Um, but even though they didn't mention healing, we can assume that they were asking for healing. He sees them, right? Jesus sees them. He takes note of them, but he doesn't heal them, right? He doesn't go up to them and, and touch them. This is a different kind of healing miracle here. He gives them directions for their next steps. He literally tells them, what? 
to go show themselves to the priests, okay? Because the priests of that day were the ones that were um, the purity inspectors, right? Okay, and as they went, they were healed. As they went, okay? So all 10 had a measure of faith and obedience. All 10 saw that they were healed. Just in itself, just, you know, these, you can imagine these guys taking off, going to show themselves. And we don't know how far along they were, but they all of a sudden, like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm healed, right? That's an amazing story in and of itself. You know, the light fades in the distance. They're skipping off into the sunset. But the story isn't over there, okay? And there seems to be something about this one guy that decides to come back that seems to be something that the, um, this passage, the writer is trying to draw attention to, the one that came back. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. And then what did he do? He threw himself at Jesus' feet, okay? And that day when someone would throw themselves at someone's feet, it wasn't a common thing to do. It was a sign of homage to a king. Homage to a king. Only all ten were healed, but only one had a revelation of Jesus as king, Okay, so probably the most significant difference between the nine and the one is the one had spiritual perception. The other nine, even though they were healed just as well, they didn't have the spiritual perception. See, all ten saw that they were healed, but only one saw with the eyes of his heart. Okay, it's the spiritual seeing here that's decisive, not just his politeness. So when you have a heart revelation, this is the the next slide, when you have a heart revelation of Jesus as king, there's only one appropriate place. It's to locate yourself at his feet and surrender, total surrender. See, it's not that the other nine, Jesus isn't pouting like, oh man, where are the other nine? Why didn't they say thank you? Right? But it's more that his heart was grieved that even though they had received a touch from him, they still didn't see and they didn't submit to his kingship and didn't see him as Messiah. See, one became the access point for an inbreaking kingdom because of revelation. All ten potentially had that access, but only one saw with the eyes of his heart. So if we're to be image bearers, And we need to know that an image bearer has a heart revelation of Jesus as king that reorients his entire life, okay? And I feel like you guys have been talking about this, and we've been talking about it all weekend with the Chi Alpha crew. Being convinced in your heart that Jesus is king is where image bearing begins. From there, it's a daily, gradual kingdom takeover. See, the moment we sincerely hand over our lives to King Jesus, we're giving him the right to all of us, to everything. He begins turning over sin, right? Turning over self. It's like when you get the house, when you buy, when you buy a house and they give you the keys, it's like on closing day, right? The house belongs to you. And so it's like our lives belong to him. The whole house belongs to him. But he, he wants to redo every single room, every part. He doesn't go halfsies. This isn't some kind of joint custody or co-pilot or co-host. He's not signing a rental agreement. He's king of your life, period. 
When we say yes to Jesus, it's not a one-time commitment. It's a covenantal surrender, right? Covenantal surrender. We give him full ownership because that's what he paid for. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.20, remember, we were bought with a price. 1 Peter 1.18, we weren't purchased with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. I think it's David Ravenhill that says, Calvary claims the whole man because Calvary proclaims that the whole man has been purchased. Right? When you buy a car and you pay for the whole thing, you don't come home with just the steering wheel. <laughs> right? Okay? Wouldn't, how ridiculous would it be if, you know, you, you're holding the bumper under your arm and walking home? No. When you buy something, when you purchase something, the whole thing belongs to you. Likewise, if our lives were purchased by King Jesus, there's not a piece of us that's off limits, okay? So if we don't understand this, I know I'm kind of going over the top here to make this point, but if we have to understand that there's a complete transfer of ownership, complete transfer of ownership, otherwise we're gonna have this religious mindset that offers God parts and pieces of our lives, maybe just the parts people see but then we keep the inside things that aren't whole and complete yet to ourselves. But if shalom is the goal to look like Jesus, both seen and unseen places belong to him. Right? Okay. You know, we continue sometimes even as believers to carry bad habits and broken ways of thinking. Don't we? Okay. Um, Jeff and I have this little joke. We'll say, you know, we'll do something and we'll say, but my whole family's like that, right? As if that's an excuse to continue in that pattern of behavior. Uh, let me tell you something here. You're not a part of that family anymore. I mean, you are, but there's an, another family, right? And that father is, is whole. And now we're, we're walking into that wholeness with him, okay? We have a new father and a new family that we're a part of. Okay? Don't use your, your family as an excuse, your, your genealogy as an excuse. Um, you know, oh, my whole family's stubborn, or they're all mouthy like that. that it's not, that's not the family we're aligned with anymore. Okay? So a bearer recognizes that it's all his, it's all um, King Jesus's, and we reorient our entire lives to him. A wearer is, is relieved, okay? A wearer receives a spiritual touch and is relieved, okay? Many have um, sincere appreciation sometimes for God or they have the ticket to heaven mentality. Um, you know, they may even continue to leave, live like a more, a better life, outward life, more moral life. But if there's no revelation of Jesus as king, and there's, then there's no reorientation of their lifestyle. And I think this is what we're seeing in the church today. A version of something that looks good to a degree without the allegiance to the king. Okay? And if that doesn't happen, again, there's no kingdom breaking in. Uh, like the, uh, the nine lepers, many people are, are content to live with their skin-deep transformation. Amen? We want to be bearers. Okay, I'm trying to, my husband just pointed to 
his wrist and said, watch the time, okay? So yeah, so this is a recipe for disaster when sin and self are allowed to stay on the throne. And I think that's what's happening in the church today, okay? So I want to ask you, are you satisfied with a touch from a distance? Are you just relieved or have you seen him with your heart? Second point, following in the master's steps, a bearer willingly submits himself over to death, knowing that it is the only path to supernatural life. See, everything that Jesus has is ours, and he hands us a key to all of it when we give our lives to him, but it's a cross-shaped key, okay? Jesus lovingly and firmly wants to turn over these areas of our life that are not under his rule. How does he do this? Trials, testing, friction, the ugly stuff comes out, right? We can learn in the classroom of the secret place. If we're with the Lord, man, there's stuff that he will deal with and he will show you, but sometimes he might take you on a field trip, if you know what I mean, okay? Sometimes the trials, and I feel like 2020 was a field trip for many people because the Lord had to expose things because that they weren't dealing with. Mentalities, attitudes, emotions, thoughts, priorities, all of those things. You know how that saying, old habits die hard? In the believer's life, you know what dies hard? The self-life. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Self-love, pride, stubbornness, selfishness. Man, it's in there. Sometimes you need that strong-willed child or that difficult roommate or that, that situation that exposes something in your heart for, for the Lord to show you. Man, do you see that? That's still in there. Mark 7 talks about it's what comes out of someone's heart, someone's heart that defiles them. Right? It's not just the religious mindset of keeping, oh, I'm not going to do all those bad things out here. But what about the things in our heart that he needs to expose and um, deal with all that's already in there? The cross is an intimate place of fellowship and suffering. But it's the place where a bearer has to go if they want to bear his image. Philippians 3, I want to know Christ, becoming like him in his death. 2 Corinthians 4, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be also revealed in our body. Galatians 6.15, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, what counts is a new creation. So bearing requires carrying a cross. Meanwhile, a wearer is spiritually soothed with modified behaviors and ministry activities. It's very easy just to clean up the act on the outside and rearrange the pieces to busy ourselves with ministry and Bible studies and small groups. And all of these things are good, but they're not a substitute. They're not a substitute for the cross. So we want to be careful. We, want to pour, we don't want to just point people to ministry when they come to know Jesus, right? And create a bunch of Marthas, right? We want them to be able to access Jesus. We want to lead them to Jesus' feet. First, instead of us putting our reliance in our positions and um, the things that we do often becomes a substitute for who we're be- we should be becoming, right? Um, wearers substitute the doing for the becoming. Uh, wearers try to create a better version of their old selves, 
I want to challenge you guys with this phrase here. Stop trying and start dying. Okay? Let that phrase kind of sink into your heart. I'm not trying to be catchy, but I think oftentimes we try harder, we try to get busier, we work harder in ourselves instead of letting the Lord come in because you know, through surrender. Uh, lastly, a bearer effortlessly extends the kingdom with other meek bearers since they have become a habitation for the presence of God. Right? Bearers are meek people. God's kingdom takeover strategy is through a meek people. Not the most charismatic, the most gifted um, talents. These things are great if submitted to the king. But if we're relying on those things, it's not going to cut it. Meekness is something that the Lord does in us as we surrender ourselves and give ourselves to him. Bearers carry rest on every side. They have a quiet center. Things can be raging all around them, but inside there's a quiet center. They carry shalom, right? Now, it doesn't mean that when you're a bearer that you're not going to have any problems. In fact, you might attract some enemies. As we continue and as we carry the presence of God, we, to one, can be the odor of death, right? And 2 Corinthians 2 says this, and to the other, the fragrance of life. Some will be so attracted to what they see in us because it's not us. They, they see it's Jesus. We're still going to face some opposition, but we can carry rest. We live and fight from a place of victory and rest when we are bearers. Bearers abide. They bear much fruit. In fact, it's not something that you even have to work at. It just comes, falls off of you because you're abiding, Right? Bearers are effective because they're connected to a spiritual family. See, there's no such thing as a lone image bearer. Because to bear Jesus' image fully, we need to be connected to a body. Right? We're a body. We're living stones being built into a spiritual house. We're a city on a hill. These are pictures of, of corporate things, right? Not just isolated people here and there. You're becoming bearers together, life point. Together you're bearing his image. A wearer becomes disillusioned and weary from sustaining the church as a happening. You see, trying to do church and services and ministry in our own strength apart from the path of the cross and being filled with the power and the presence of Jesus gets tiring. You get weary. You can't build a spiritual house for God with carnal tools. It's like trying to build the Taj Mahal with a toy toolbox, right? We need Jesus. We need him to fill us. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Psalm 127. And Jeff talked about this morning, be careful how we build. The fire's going to test it. You see, we've created a lot of man-made systems that collect lots of people. At least they used to collect a lot of people. But they don't care about bearing the image of Jesus. And I want to call you to something different than what we're seeing in the world today. I want to present it to you as a burden on the Lord's heart for us to pray for the church 
in America. That we wouldn't just be wearers, but we'd be bearers. So even as I know the kids are going to be coming in a little bit, um, we can continue to worship. We can continue to pray for this. I don't, you know, I just want us to, you know, I feel like you guys are on the right track. This isn't like a rebuke to your church by any means. If anything, I feel like there's such a like-mindedness here to carry God's burden and for us to pray for the church to become bearers. So let's pray. Even as we pray tonight, let's remember, let's pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that people's eyes of their hearts would be open, that they would see Jesus as king, that we would personally allow Jesus access to the places that people don't see, that we're continually laying down our lives in covenantal surrender, not this one and done commitment card thing, and then we're good until we see him. Okay, there's more to give. There's more to surrender because there's more of him that we need to bear. Remember that we're growing into this image of Jesus, right? There should be consistent increase. I don't want you guys that are young to be my age and and look the same. There should be more of you that looks like Jesus, right? Okay, so don't get stunted in your growth, in your transformation. And remember, join in to God's eternal purpose, his plan with other bearers. Let him build you as a spiritual house. Man, you guys, what an impact. When you guys carry the wholeness and the healing and the completeness, as God does a work inside of you and outside of you, man, what a light and testimony it is going to be to the world, especially today. Like when people see someone carrying peace, it's like, wow, what do you have, right? Anxiety is rampant. Nobody knows what peace even looks like. The church should be carrying that. We're the bearers of that shalom. We are the bearers of that shalom. Okay, we can expect that kind of stuff from the world, but I want to call you up into this. Okay, as your big sister, who is also still growing up into Jesus. So let's pray, and then um, we'll continue to worship and go after the Lord and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you um, that you are doing a work in our day, in our nation. I know it, it looks dark, it looks bleak, it looks like a mess, but what a time for the church to rise up into her destiny. Lord, shake off all the stuff that isn't of you. Lord, if there's a mixture in our lives, Lord, if we're um, looking for uh, some kind of external validation from men, even as believers, even as a church, Father, will you shed those things off? Let our heart's desire be only to please you, Father. Lord, we want to be set apart. We want you to have every corner of our heart. So again, we say, here we are. We avail ourselves to you. Would you build us up into a spiritual house? God, we don't even fully understand what that means, but we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit and you've given us tools. So Lord, we're praying even now for the activation of gifts. Lord, I pray that you'd break off fear, intimidation, things that inhibit people from stepping out. 
Lord, I pray that you would call forth things that are dormant and buried and laying low. God, we don't have time for that. Lord, there's a house to build. Lord, we want to house your presence, not for our sake, Lord, but for the sake of the mission. So we're saying have your way in us as a people, Lord. I pray your blessing over this this house of faith, Lord, over life point. I pray that this body of believers would rise to their destiny for this region. Lord, that whatever is stamped on them, Lord. God, you don't look at numbers. Lord, you're not looking at talent. Lord, you're looking at hearts. You look and evaluate so differently than man does. So I pray, Father, for this church. Father, that you do such a deep work of shalom. Lord, that they might rise into your image and that they would be bearers, Lord, in this generation, in this region, for your glory, for your namesake, for King Jesus' namesake. In your name we pray. Amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.